The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's Monday, the 27th day of November, PFTPM podcast. I missed it the last couple of days. No Thanksgiving edition because they were games. Friday, I had the flu. And let me tell you, as I declared today on PFT Live, the best part about having the flu is getting rid of the flu because you feel like it's a new life. It's a new beginning. You don't take for granted how it feels to be normal, how it feels to be well. And I'm still not completely well, but in comparison to how I was on Friday... I'm doing a hell of a lot better. All right, the NFL moving toward the postseason. What I decided to do today, because typically on Mondays after a slate of games on a Sunday, we do five down territory. I'm doing five predictions today. Five predictions, some of which may come true, some of which may not. If they all do, I will claim credit. If none do, I will act as if this edition of the podcast never existed. Then I'm going to answer some questions just because we haven't done this in a while and... and, uh, I feel like answering some questions. Predictions. Five down territory. Predict. I, I got to come up with a good title for it. PFTPM podcast. Five down territory. Prediction. Edition. What the hell? Number one. Write it down. I said this today on PFT Live. I'm saying it again here. The Pittsburgh Steelers will lose in the divisional round of the playoffs. And I say that because of the comments made by Coach Mike Tomlin to Tony Dungy in the football night in america interview that debuted last night it was taped on friday tony went from the nbc sports group studios in connecticut for the pregame and halftime of the washington giants thanksgiving night game went to pittsburgh interviewed tomlin and then went back to tampa and then came back to connecticut he had a busy few days but in pittsburgh on friday talking to tomlin and tomlin i said to tony last night I don't know who that guy was. He looks like Mike Tomlin, but he sure doesn't act like Mike Tomlin. I mean, a different demeanor, a smile, a happy guy with Tony Dungy. And Tony Dungy has that effect on people, especially when Mike Tomlin got his start in NFL coaching working with Tony. But, you know, Tomlin usually has that facade. And I think so many of the coaches have that, that tough guy facade where they have to be that way because they have a room full of men who are looking at them and, and following them, ideally, and sometimes, all the time, most of the time, you got to be a tough guy. And that's how Tomlin comes off. But he was not in that interview, but it surprised me because he deviated from the kind of thing that you would hear a coach say, like a coach Bill Belichick. He would never talk about anything other than the next opponent. And Tomlin was willing, not just to say he thinks we should win it all and we will win it all, but he also said that... He's not afraid to talk about the elephant in the room, the game against the Patriots coming up in three weeks, and also the fact that there will be a second game, or should be, or is destined to be, whatever, whatever. Well, the second game is the AFC Championship game, presumably, unless one of them falls out of the the buy spot. Right now, it looks like Patriots and Steelers will have the two buys. The question is, who's the one seed, who's the two seed, which means where will the rematch be if there is one? But along the way to the rematch, what's got to happen? 
Both teams have to win in the divisional round. And the trend used to be, we've seen a deviation from this in recent years, where the one seeds and the two seeds tend to win in the divisional round and they get together in the conference championship games. But there was a period where it was roughly 50-50, where the wild card winner, half of the wild card winners, 50-50, which is what 50-50, half of the wild card winners fared well in the divisional round. And I think part of the problem is you have teams that would would coast down the stretch, rest their starters. They end up going three weeks between meaningful games. And then you've got a team that won in wildcard weekend, that won a playoff game. They're feeling good about themselves. Hey, we won a playoff game. Hey, maybe they had to win a few games in a row in December and January to even get into the postseason field. So that they are in mid-postseason form as the the team that earns the bye week is just getting started and that team has all the pressure that team has all the stress that team has all the expectations that team is going to be tight the other team is loose because we're supposed to lose anyway let's just show up we got nothing to lose and let's see what we can do and maybe we get lucky and if we don't so what we're supposed to lose and and we've seen those games where the road team comes in facing the team that earns a bye and smacks them in the mouth early, catches them flat-footed, and the next thing you know, there's a game, and the next thing you know, there's an upset. And, you know, three hours on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday evening or whenever the game is played, that that ends a special season. And that's what the Steelers need to guard against. Because what happened Sunday night, two days after Mike Tomlin, is looking ahead to Week 15 against the Patriots? What happened? The Packers came in after being shut out at home by the Baltimore Ravens. Shut out, didn't sc- which means didn't score a damn point, which is what shut out means. Being overly obvious today. They, and they, they almost beat the Steelers. It was 28-28. They tied it up late. Back and forth they went. The, the Packers were ahead. But what would it, it went 7-0 or 6-0 Steelers, and it was 14-6 Packers, and the Steelers tie it up, and then they're back and forth, and finally it's 28-28, and the Steelers had to win it on a 53-yard field goal, which tied the record for the longest field goal ever made at Heinz Field. That almost went to overtime. So the Steelers, write it down. At Old Takes Exposed, the Steelers will lose in the division round. I don't even care who it is. Because whoever it is, Titans, Jaguars, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Ravens. Oh, you don't want the Ravens. All Steelers. I don't know who wants the Ravens less the Steelers or the Patriots in the divisional round. I'll tell you what, the one thing the Steelers and Patriots should agree upon is let's get together and let's get a big Ravens voodoo doll and put a bunch of spikes and nails and needles in it and keep them out of the playoffs. Neither of those teams is going to want those guys in the playoffs because the Ravens can beat either the Steelers or the Patriots in the divisional round if it comes down to it. But Whoever it is, you've got the ammunition you need now. You play that tape the night before the game. Hey, Mike Tomlin, over a month ago, already declared this game a victory for the Steelers. He's talking about playing the Patriots in the conference championship game. That means before he even knew who he was going to play, he knew his team was going to beat you. That's how little respect they have for you. Are you just going to take that? Are you just going to deal with that? Yeah, well, the stupid button pushing, but it works. Right? You get them lathered up, you get them fired up, you get them more focused, and, and, and you don't just show it to them the night before. What you do is 
you, you make that the message of the whole week. So all week long, every player is committed to doing everything. It, it, is, a, it is a wall that is built one brick at a time. And it, and it goes from the time you spend watching film to the time you spend studying the game plan to the time you don't spend smoking weed to the time you do spend hydrating to the time you spend eating right to the time you spend getting the right lifting in. Everything you do, every hour of every day, getting enough sleep, getting enough work, getting enough rest, getting enough everything. So when you are ready to go, when the game starts, you're in tip-top condition and you go out there and you, and you punch him in the face and you beat him. That's first down. Steelers will lose in the divisional round and I don't care who the opponent is, they will lose. Second down, the opponent won't be the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs. No, no, I'm not going to say I think. This is this is a day when, you know, again, and I'm blaming it on the, the Tamiflu and the other medications, and I'm feeling great because I don't have the flu, so I don't care. Being wrong about these predictions is still nothing nearly as bad as having the flu. The Chiefs will not make the playoffs. And, and this one's easier than the first one because, look, what are they doing to address the flaws that have resulted in a 5 and 0 team free falling to 6 and 5 from 5 and 0 to 6 and 5 we've seen this three straight years now the falcons 2015 5 and 0 missed the playoffs vikings last year 5 and 0 missed the playoffs chiefs 5 and 0 they're going to miss the playoffs they got both the raiders and the chargers bearing down on them as the final 5 weeks of the season approach and and and, and I, I know what you're going to say you're just mad because they won't play Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, you're right. I'll admit it. I am mad that they won't play Patrick Mahomes because I miss Deshaun Watson, and I'd like to think Patrick Mahomes can provide the same kind of excitement for the Chiefs and for the NFL that Deshaun Watson did for the Texans. We did a video last night at halftime or third quarter of the Packers Steelers game, Rodney Harrison, Tony Dungy and I, and we were talking about what the Chiefs need to do. And every Sunday, I feel like I have Rodney on my side with Mahomes. But when it's time to put on the makeup and sit at the desk, he's not willing to go there with me yet. But they both made the argument about what needs to be done and what the offense is doing wrong. And I, I, I just feel like the answer is put in Patrick Mahomes. Look at what happened to the... Te- All the things they were saying about the... Chiefs offense, it sounded like the Texans offense before Deshaun Watson. So let's just see what Mahomes can do. And I know the Chiefs know Mahomes better than anyone. But there's just just a a stubbornness there. The same stubbornness that is causing the Chiefs not to fix on the fly whatever's wrong. They keep doing, like, like they, it's like the guy who's still wearing the leisure suit 40 years later, right? It worked when I was 18, so it's going to work when I'm 58. Andy Reid's got his leisure suit on because it worked when he was 18 years old. Well, it worked when you were 5-0. and It's not working now, and at some point you got to get rid of the leisure suit. And you got to at least update to a members-only jacket. Right? Stop parting your hair down the middle. So I, I, I don't understand why they won't do what seems obvious to me. And... And, you know, people out there who, who watch film, and, and, and I, always, I, always, I always cringe a little bit whenever somebody wants to tell me how much film they watch and how they know better than people who have been living the coaching profession, living it for years. 
paying the dues, learning how to design plays, learning how to compile playbooks, learning how to adjust play calling, learning the art of calling a game, learning how to properly design audibles and, and all the things that go along with, with being an offensive coach. And, and somebody who's never worked for a team is going to watch a game on tape and tell me and anyone else what a team needs to do. And more importantly, is going to tell that team what it needs to do. Yeah, that, 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 that's good. That, 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 that'll work. You know, everybody's an expert because they have access to the NFL game pass, right? I mean, the prevailing thought is that teams are playing this deep cover two zone against the Chiefs and they don't know how to deal with it. And I'd like to think it's more complicated than that because I'd like to think Andy Reid knows how to deal with it. I just think there are issues with execution. There are issues with Alex Smith. And and if there is an effort to force the Chiefs offense to move the ball in in chunks, small chunks, instead of with those big explosive home run plays, the problem is when they get to third and six, third and seven, third and five, Alex Smith can't deliver. Can't deliver. They had five three and outs to start the game yesterday against the Bills. The, The Bills, for crying out loud. The Bills, who got their asses kicked consecutive weeks, 54 points scored by the Chargers, 47 points scored by the Saints. The Bills roll into Arrowhead Stadium, and they kick the crap out of the Chiefs. What did Reed say today? He said, without getting philosophical, and I'm not sitting here with a crystal ball or projecting things like that, that's not how I roll. We've all got a responsibility to do our job at all positions, starting with me, and that's not getting done the right way, right? It's not one guy, and that has to be understood. I'm not one person. We've all got to pull together as a football team, in this case, an offensive football team right now, and get that taken care of as a team. Not one guy, and that's about as clear as I can be. That's the latest defense of quarterback Alex Smith. And I know you don't blame one guy for it, but one guy can make all the difference in the world. And Alex Smith is not in Tom Savage territory, but If Patrick Mahomes is close to Deshaun Watson territory, that's a kick in the ass this team needs. That's what they need to do. So what the Bills did yesterday to the Chiefs, according to Reed, they brought five, played zone behind it, and pressed on the outside. And Reed said they have to do a better job of beating that kind of defense. So, yeah, put in Patrick Mahomes. You know, Kareem Hunt apparently has hit the rookie wall. The offensive line is struggling. Travis Kelsey quit on that play where Tredavious White stepped in front of Tyree Kill. What's happened to Tyree Kill this year? Why not just get him the ball in space? Remember the play against the Cowboys? When instead of throwing the ball to the end zone, they gave it to him short. And and it was, you know, the, the kid on the schoolyard that is shaving before everyone else and just runs circles around everyone. Right? That's what he was. Why don't you get him the ball in space? I don't. I don't get. It. I, I don't understand it. And, and maybe it is more than Alex Smith. Maybe maybe Andy Reid is losing his fastball before our very eyes. I don't. I, I and look, I love Andy Reid. He's one of the best coaches the NFL's seen in the last 25 years. But this this stubbornness is going to result, to get back to my original point, in the Kansas City Chiefs not making it to the playoffs. Third down. This one's really bold. I'm not so sure about this one, but what the hell? I needed to have five because it's five down territory. The Vikings are going to be the number one seed in the NFC. I said it. The Vikings are going to be the number one seed in the NFC. You know, no one wants to believe in this team. 
and I've resisted it. But I, I, I was watching some of the Saints-Rams game on Sunday. We got a lot going on late afternoon. We're getting ready for Football Night in America. I'm just chasing down information and rehearsing and typing up stories because the, the, you got to keep feeding the beast uh, on, on game days. People want to know what's going on and what are the updates. And, 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 and it occurred to me. The Vikings, and I know it was week one, but the Vikings made the Saints look like a junior high team. And, and I know they've gotten better on the fly. But the Vikings completely dismantled the Saints, and the Vikings completely dismantled the Rams. And the Vikings went into Detroit, and they were up 27 to 10 early in the third quarter. And two weeks before that, they went into Washington, and they were up 35 to 18 in the second half. And then they beat the Rams 24 to 7 in between. And I think they're going to go to an, into Atlanta this weekend and kick the shit out of the Falcons. I really do. I mean, the, 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 this team, top to bottom, is as complete as any team in the NFC. And I wish they played the Eagles in the regular season so there would be some sort of an apples-to-apples apples before they get together in the playoffs. And, and that's the game that's starting to feel like a game of destiny. Eagles-Vikings at some point in the postseason. And look, yeah, the Eagles are 10-1, and one, and they've won nine in a row, and they've won how many games in a row by 24 points and how many games in a row by 28. I mean, they're rolling over everybody, which is not good. If they keep rolling over people, they're not going to be ready when adversity comes in the postseason. They're not going to know what to do with it when they're in a close game because they're used to having their way with everyone they play. But you look at the rest of the schedule. they got three straight road games coming up. At Seattle. Next Sunday night, NBC. At the Rams the following Sunday. Don't be surprised if that one ends up on NBC. At the Giants, who would love nothing more than to put an Eagles pelt on the wall to save the ass of Brill Cream Ben McAdoo. And then a Monday night game against the Raiders. Who knows where the Raiders are going to be at that point. And then Dallas comes to town. And you know what? Dallas may be out of it by then. Ezekiel Elliott will be back. If they, could, if they could knock the Eagles out of the one seed by beating them week 17, that's the next best thing to making it to the playoffs. So, you know, that's the team everybody's talking about. It's Eagles this and Eagles that and Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. And now the Vikings have two tough games coming up at 9-2. and two. They've got at Atlanta, which I think they're going to win. At Carolina, and this is something that Paul Allen repeatedly says, look at what Mike Zimmer's defenses have done to Cam Newton the last two times they've played them. Then... Cincinnati at Green Bay, and then Chicago. I don't know how the tiebreaker would work. The Vikings have lost two, the Steelers and the Lions. The Eagles have lost to the Chiefs. The Eagles would have to lose to an NFC team at a minimum. Do they have, they have, an, AFC, they have an AFC game left against the Raiders? You start getting down the tiebreaker list if they finish both 14-2 and two or 13-3. and three. But however it shakes out, my predict, and this is the boldest one, that's why I put it in the middle, so it'll be the, the least noticeable as I talk about it right now openly. Vikings will be the number one seed in the NFC. Fourth down. Moving on before anybody remembers what I just said. Fourth down. The Packers will make it to the Super Bowl if they make the playoffs. That's right. Because as much as I believe in the Vikings as the number one seed in the NFC, that doesn't mean I believe that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl because the last thing they're going to want is to go to U.S. Bank Stadium for a divisional round game 
or a conference championship game and see the Packers roll in with Aaron Rodgers pissed off with 13 screws in his collarbone thanks to Anthony Barr. And now the Packers got their chance to shove it up the Vikings' ass sideways. You wait. You watch. If the Packers get in, they will make it to the Super Bowl, just like they did in 2010. Oh, Florio, what's wrong with you? You hate the Packers. I don't hate the Packers. I don't like the way they conduct themselves. I don't like the, didn't you just listen to that question I just answered? I don't like that. I'm not going to slurp all over Mike McCarthy. I, 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 I just don't like that. Others can slurp over Mike McCarthy all they want. That's their business, all right? I choose to, to, to be candid and blunt. The Packers will get to the Super Bowl if they make it to the playoffs. That doesn't mean I'm going to start the Mike McCarthy fan club. That doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers is going to invite me over to dinner. I still think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but because I'm one of the ones who is willing to say that he's ultra-sensitive and he needs to you know, chill a little bit, although, hey, if it helps you be one of the best quarterbacks of all time, that's great. I'm better when I'm pissed off. I know that. So good, Aaron. It's good that you're sensitive. If it makes you play better, good. Whatever makes you play, whatever allows you to do whatever it is that you do so well, then do it. If being sensitive and pissed off makes you play better, great. If they make it to the playoffs, he's going to play as great as we've ever seen, and they will get to the Super Bowl. Write that one down. Now, I don't know that they're going to make it. We've got Bay of Pigs reunion this weekend at Lambeau Field. Can't they play? You know what? Here's an aside. God, I miss Chris Berman. And this is nothing against any of the people who are on. And I'm going to be completely candid. And I always am. I now here's, here's a little thing I picked up practicing law. Never say, well, to be honest with you, because that implies that you typically aren't honest. Say to be candid with you or to be frank with you. And I'm going to be candid and frank with you. I don't watch ESPN Sunday NFL Countdown at all. I don't watch any of the pregame shows other than Football Night in America because everything I need, I get online. I don't need to, to all the yuck, yuck, hee-haw, dressed up as superheroes, putting on a wolf hat, acting like a bunch of idiots. I don't need that. I'm working, right? I'm not watching this stuff for entertainment, and I don't know who's entertained by it anyway. I think they do it to entertain themselves. But ESPN Sunday NFL Countdown, no, it's like a car that is made up of a bunch of mismatched parts. There's no flow to it. There's no rhythm to it. I don't like it. I don't watch it. And one of the reasons I don't watch it is I miss Chris Berman. And and I was one of the ones that was complaining about how Chris Berman had lost his fastball and he'd become a character. I miss him. Bring him back for the Bay of Pigs game. That's how we got down that rabbit hole. So if they beat the Buccaneers. Now, I know they just were shut out at home by the Ravens. But they, I'm going to pick them to beat the Buccaneers, right? That's not ridiculous. And then they go to Cleveland. Surely, even with Brett Hundley and Joe Houlihan at quarterback, <laughs> Joe Houlihan, I, I'm going to pick them to beat the Browns. Then comes, what, what, if, what if Aaron Rodgers is ready to come back? He, he was out there in his lumberjack gear, or the big thermals like he just came out from hunting, throwing the ball 50 yards last night. At Carolina, December 17, they win that game. Then they've got the Vikings coming to town on December 23 on NBC. Then they go to Detroit. Rodgers comes back and they get hot and they win enough games to get in. You don't want to play them. They get in. They are going to the Super Bowl. Write it down. And I'm not just saying that because I've suddenly realized there's a chance that my preseason Super Bowl prediction of Patriots Packers may come to fruition. I think if the Packers get in, they are going to the Super Bowl. All right. Fifth down. And, and this one, I wasn't going to force a fifth one. 
based upon football news. So I'm going to step aside. You know, the story that's kind of died down, Jerry Jones versus Roger Goodell. And and I saw the Sunday Splash reports yesterday. And, you know, every week it's a different, it's like a pendulum. One week, the deal's getting done. Next week, it's not getting done. Then it's getting done. And ESPN's got both sides of it covered. And however it turns out, they'll be right all along. Well, they'll be half right all along and half wrong all along. Now the, the prevailing view is that the compensation committee is going to finalize Roger Goodell's contract by December the 13th. And to that I say, it ain't happening. That's my prediction. I'm not reporting it. I'm not reporting it. I think the compensation committee is going to try to do it. But they, 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 they surely are not going to underestimate Jerry Jones. He's under the impression that on December the 13th, this will not be finalized. He's under the impression that come December 13, he will have an opportunity, one last gasp, to generate enough support in the room to rescind or revise the resolution that was passed back in May authorizing the compensation committee with hardly any parameters or guidance whatsoever to go do the contract for Roger Goodell. And if they finalize the contract and tie his hands and bind the NFL to a contract that can't be broken, it's signed, it's sealed, and delivered. Once it's signed, sealed, and delivered, you're stuck. If they do that before December the 13th, before Jerry Jones has a chance to undo this, he's going to lose his damn mind. That's when he will sue. See, they can huff and puff all they want about what they're going to do to him. They still don't want him to sue. They don't want to get into a street fight with Jerry Jones. So when he said he's not going to sue, you got to read closely what the other side of it was. He's not going to sue because he's been given assurances that the owners are going to have a chance to take up this contract. So don't tell me they're going to get it done by December 13th, because if they try to get it done by December 13th, they're walking right into another lawsuit threat. So deal's not going to be done. They're going to try. They're going to try. But someone eventually is going to say, why? Why are we doing this? We're so close to the 13th. You know, yeah, we know Jerry's got something up his sleeve, but... I mean, my good, and, and really, what would be so bad about Jerry Jones making an argument that maybe 23 other owners buy and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't extend the commissioner's contract right now. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe he hasn't deserved five years of job security. Maybe we've got real issues that need to be resolved. Now, I, I will say this, anytime somebody brings up the question of replacing the commissioner, my response is, who do you replace him with? Quick. And don't just say anybody. Oh, anybody can do the job. No, 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 no. Not anybody can do the job. Now, there are more people that can do Roger Goodell's job than there are that can do Tom Brady's job, right? But that doesn't mean you have one ready to go to come in and do Roger Goodell's job and not screw it all up royally. Who's it going to be? You don't throw one guy overboard and then replace him with someone else who doesn't know how to steer the ship and and has to learn has to learn where what the what what the boat looks like before you even try to steer the ship. There's no one currently in the league office that's suited to take over. I've heard different names get bandied about. And then there's this thought that that Jerry Jones has somebody he wants to shove in there. Look here, Jerry Jones is not going to get his way both ways. If he would get the commissioner thrown out, they're not going to put Jerry Jones' person in. I could see maybe another owner on an interim basis, but, but what's interim? Through the CBA process, through the next network, 
contracts. See, that's why they want to do this contract. And Joe Lockhart, the NFL spokesman, was candid about this a couple of weeks ago in one of the media briefings they do. He said that they want to do that. You know, he was asked by Jim Trotter of ESPN, what's what's the urgency? Why we got to do this done now? There's 18 months left on Goodell's contract. And, and you know, we've got some, some fairly important negotiations coming up. And you want to have a position of strength that you're projecting to the people you're negotiating with. The NFL Players Association, you want them to... To, to know that the commissioner is in charge and that he has a contract that extends beyond whatever the length of this fight would be, well beyond whatever the length of the fight would be. Same thing with the network contracts. Monday Night Football expires after 2021. The other contracts expire after 2022. You've got to have a commissioner in place beyond that or it gets used against you. This is big business, high stakes, and, and, and the storm clouds are gathering right now for the NFL. Do you see the ratings? from the Thanksgiving games, they sucked. Now, the games weren't great, and maybe the message is they need to do a better job of selecting games to be played in those spots. You know, maybe some Patriots. You need, you need, you're stuck with the Lions, right? All due respect, the Lions are not a national draw, and they're never going to be until they start winning some Super Bowls. The Cowboys are always going to be a national draw. So what they need to do, they need to have Steelers, Patriots, Packers every year in those three games. You need to work them in some way, somehow. And I know that's hard to do because two of the games are always NFC home teams and and they only host two AFC teams per year from the same division, right? So like this year for the uh, the Lions, oh yeah, they could have done the Steelers. They should have done the Steelers-Lions game on Thanksgiving. That's what they should have done. And then they should have had Eagles-Cowboys or something like that on on uh, Thanksgiving on on Fox in the late afternoon or, or move it around whatever they, whatever they got to do they get so you know I, I was glad to see the Saints Rams game get moved over to CBS that's a Fox game they need to get over all that stuff what, what they need to do and I, I don't know why it's so hard to see this from inside the bubble I, I think what happens is when you're inside the bubble and you're so concerned with self preservation and I really do think that that's you know this whole idea of protecting the shield. Roger Goodell is the shield and the people working at the league office are there to protect him, not the shield. They could give a shit about the shield. They care about their jobs. They care about their power. They care about their influence and they care about their ongoing employment prospects. And inside that bubble, I think it's just hard to see what the rest of us outside of it can see. And outside of it, I think it's a very easy proposition. Every week, make sure the best games are in the biggest spots and create devices under your broadcast contracts that allow you to move the pieces around on the chessboard any way you want. You're not restricted by that. And that's one of the reasons I hate chess. Number one, I was never very good at it. But, you know, you, you got to always, I always like the, I always wanted to get the queen out because the queen can go wherever the hell the queen wants. And I always, I always lost because I was so impatient because I don't want to count two up and one over and the rook goes straight. That's all. I want to go anywhere I want to go. And that's what the NFL needs to do. They need to have a full complement of queen pieces on the chessboard. And you go wherever you want every week of the year. Not just, you know, week 17, we find out the Monday before week 17 who's going to play in primetime. That should be the strategy every week for at least the second half of the season. And, oh, we need to know two weeks in advance. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. The TV ratings are bigger than the huffing and puffing from the people who buy tickets. Because one of the arguments is, well, you know... 
uh, mom and dad are going to bring Jimmy and Sally out to the game. And if it's a one o'clock game, they're going to go to the game. But it's eight o'clock. They got to go to school the next day. Now the hell with that, right? If they don't like it, they can sell the tickets on uh, the StubHub or Ticket Exchange or whatever, whatever the, the legal scalping mechanism now is. The bigger deal is the ratings. The bigger deal is getting the best games every week in the best spot. And you need the flexibility to do it. And and I'm I'm a proponent of not even putting up. And I know NBC is going to be mad at me for saying this because they like to be able to logistically map everything out where the trucks are going to be, and they don't they, they don't want to change it. They, they they it's a hassle. It's expensive, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. But this is what I believe for the NFL to turn this thing around. Each and every week, don't even have a tentative Sunday night game. Don't even have it. Every Monday. And, and it should go all the way back to week one. That should be part of the fun of the season. Week, here's week one. Okay, week one's over. Here's the slate of games for week two on Monday. We find out which of those games is going to be played in prime time. Now, maybe you do it five. Maybe you set the first five or six weeks with the ability to change it if you need to. Like if the you know if Tom Brady tears an ACL week one and you got a Patriots game coming up in week four. Maybe you lock in the first half. But for at least the second half of the season, don't even pick a game. Wouldn't that be great? And always be committed every week to ensuring that the best game, not the game that's going to generate the best rating, the best game. Because if you give people the best game every week, the most eventful and impactful game, the ratings are going to follow. And you will create national draws that way. That's why they got to get the, look, Eagles in primetime this week against the Seahawks, good idea. Make the Eagles into a national brand. Get the Eagles against the Rams. Next weekend in primetime. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. People need to know Carson Wentz. He's a great guy. He's a great player. He's the future of the league. Get his face out there. Get people. Get. You don't want it to just be Cowboys, Patriots, Packers, Steelers, and maybe Raiders, right? Am I missing any national teams? Get the Eagles in that mix as well. The more national teams, the better. The more teams that you can put on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, and they attract a huge audience, the better. It, this is all simple stuff. All right. That, that that uh, man, I don't know what that was. That was a continuation of my thought regarding the, the fifth prediction that the commissioner will not have a new contract by December the 13th, which probably means that he will. All right. Uh, let me answer a few questions before we wrap up this Monday edition of PFT PM. Uh, let's see... At Real Minnesota Sports Fan, when will you admit the Skull, hashtag Skull, are your favorite team at PA on the mic? My official position is I hate all teams equally. At Dustin Miller, it's now been 33 quarters since a Cowboys opponent has been called for holding. Something has to be up, right? And is this real? Is this a guy being, like, yanked from behind? I got to, oh, it is. My gosh. Is it? Is it really 33 quarters? I have to, okay, I have to copy that. And I'm going to paste it here, and I'm going to look into this, whether or not that's true. 33 quarters, and, and there, 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 there's a still frame of a Cowboys defender rushing at Phillip Rivers, and his jersey is being yanked from behind. It almost looks photoshopped. It looks like, an old, it looks like a still frame of an old video game, but it, it, I don't have any reason to doubt it. All right, speaking of video games, at the Rick Rosen, when, what, when, what? Did young PFT drop all of his quarters into at the arcade? Hey, let me tell you this. And oh, and and uh, and, and at B Flow Faux Show chimes in that I'd better answer this. I uh, I spent a lot of time at the arcade when I was a kid, and I 
I used to find quarters anywhere I could and couch cushions. Uh, there was a jar, you know, everybody's parents had a change jar. I would, uh, I would, uh, don't ask, don't tell raid the change jar from time to time and take quarters. And then there was something magical about having a handful of quarters. Like in the summertime, we'd ride our bike. There's a, there's a park wheeling. There were two parks in the town I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, Wheeling park and Ogilvy park and Wheeling park was about a, a two mile bike ride from my house. And I would get a fistful of quarters and, uh, uh, ride my bike with my friends to the White Palace, which was like Nirvana. That was the first place I had ever encountered coin-operated machinery. It was either there or it was the Rose Bowl bowling alley, which stunk to high heaven, but it was a beautiful smell. And I could, I can, if it's one of those things, like I can smell it right now, a stinky, nasty bowling alley, but they had pinball machines and video games. And, and, uh, I, I, uh, I didn't have, any one that was like the, if I remember when Donkey Kong came out, that that was, that was the first time I ever had a burning desire to like buy a game and have it in my house. Like I wanted to have a Donkey Kong game in my house. I played that a lot. 81, 82 time frame. a lot of pinball, a lot of pinball. I was very good at the original kiss pinball machine. I have the, the more updated and much more difficult kiss pinball machine in my house. I, I was, uh, I was, why am I wasting so much time talking about this? There was a close encounters of the third kind pinball game that I was very good at. There was a Bobby Orr power play hockey pinball game that I was very good at. I really liked pinball, but, uh, uh, you know, the video, once the video games started to come to be some of them, I like some of them, I just never, I never got Pac-Man. I was never into Pac-Man. I was never into space invaders. You did it because everybody played it. And I had the Atari system at home, which was a piece of crap. Like it was never anywhere close to as good as what the, uh, the, the arcade games were, but, uh, a lot of quarters were dropped. And then when I went to college, that, that was like the, the, uh, the, you know, the study break, right. Um, run over to, uh, wherever you get the, 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 the hamburger. Well, I can't even remember the name of the place. They had the punch out game, which I mastered. And I'm sure I dropped a hundred dollars worth of quarters into that to get there. Dragon's lair, which I still have on my phone, but never play, but it's just a nostalgia thing. Dragon's lair was a big one, a lot of fun in 1983. And I remember when I finally killed that goddamn dragon. I mean, I, it, it, it it's just so stupid how, how something like that can, can like fill you with endorphins. God, nostalgia. I, I'm sure whoever asked that question now regrets it. Uh, at MF Birch, are the Steelers the best bad team ever or the worst good team? Look, I, they, 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 here's what they are. They're a team that plays down to the level of its competition because they're thinking ahead to bigger games. There's a lack of maturity there. And based upon the interview we saw of Mike Tomlin, it's coming from their head coach. At B Flofo Show, what the hell is up with Martellus Bennett? I've been a Pats fan since Terry Glenn, and this still confounds me. I mean, the guy's got a shoulder injury. He's got a shoulder injury, and he's trying to play through it, and uh, he wasn't able to play on Sunday, not that they needed him against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Let's see what else we have. At BFLOFO Show, would you rather never see Patrick Mahomes in an NFL game or never use your handy-dandy NFL Bible rules and regulations book again? That's an unfair question. That's that's an unrealistic question, but if it came down to it, do not take my record and fact book away from me. Uh, at B Zenzen, thoughts on the Vikings potential to be a number one, number two seed. I've already made as one of my bold predictions today they will be the number one seed in the NFC. So that answers the question. At the Impact 99, given the Legion of Boom's injuries, how soon should Seattle try to reload? 
to keep their run going. They should be constantly reloading via the draft. That's how they found these guys, whether it's first round Earl Thomas, fifth round Richard Sherman, sixth round Cam Chancellor, draft and develop, draft and develop. At the Impact 99, what is C.J. Beathard worth in a trade or on the open market? He's a rookie. So you keep him at a low salary for the next few years. Your quarterback budget is going to be devoted to Jimmy Garoppolo. Keep him around through the balance of his rookie contract. Trade him maybe in his fourth year if it looks like he has something, but there's no reason to move him now. You still need to have another quarterback in the event your starter gets injured. At Jay Broska 55 can the Seahawks versus Jaguars get flexed into primetime and flex out Ravens-Steelers in Week 14? Let's see what else is up in Week 14. Week 14, isn't that the week that, let me see here. This was just week 12, week 14. That's Rams-Eagles. That's the game that needs to go into primetime, Rams-Eagles. Get rid of Ravens-Steelers and let's go with Rams-Eagles. Although last night, Packers-Steelers, the only window of the weekend that was up versus 2016. So it could be that that we're going to have Ravens-Steelers week 14. And, And I don't... I don't know what the deadline is for flexing. It, at the latest, it's tomorrow for week 14. So uh, it may be Ravens-Steelers. And last night's performance by the Steelers playing down to the level of competition may have sealed our fate. And, and you know what? what? What a fate it'll be. We'll get to see another great game on a Sunday night. Uh, let's see what i got to wrap this up. Um, at Joey Bell Telecom, the fact that Alvin Kamara had only 11 touches on Sunday is going to bother me forever. Sorry, that's not a question. Yeah, but he did great things with them, right? Right? At B Flofo Show, man, you're asking a lot of questions today, but I'll answer one more. Which division leader is most likely not to make the playoffs? The Chiefs. That was one of today's bold predictions. The Chiefs. The Chiefs will not make the playoffs. They're still leading the AFC West. At T.E. Gensler, should Philadelphia pay Jim Schwartz big money to keep him around as a D coordinator? Well, it's it's... Look, the guy wants to be a head coach again. It's not about how much money you make as a D coordinator. Un- unless you're, you you see a path to becoming the head coach where you are. And Schwartz is older, I think, than Doug Peterson. So that's not going to happen. I think you just have to accept the fact that Schwartz leaves and you find someone else to come in and take over the defense. And you promote that, that culture. You start a coaching tree of your own if you're Doug Peterson. And you understand that with success is going to come the pilfering of key members of your coaching staff. Uh, okay. This is at Blake Lawson, 1923. Thoughts on Chiefs' stubbornness to make the switch at quarterback? Already answered that. Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Oh, here we go. At one more from at B-Flow. Show. Sounds like you kicked that flu's ass. Glad you're still alive to feed me NFL news and analysis all day. Hashtag PFT. PM. Thank you, B-Flow, Show, And one more on the way out. At Real Razor, why isn't Mike McCarthy on the unemployment line right now? Didn't you listen to that question I just answered? Hey, I, I, you know, one of these days, Mike McCarthy's going to just walk up to me and just, just, just pile drive me. Uh, and it won't be worth the lawsuit. But uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it again to wrap up and on the same edition of the show where I've predicted that if they make it to the playoffs, they'll make it to the Super Bowl. If there was a traditional owner in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson would have been long gone by now. Inexcusable to have one Super Bowl appearance during the career of one of the great quarterbacks in NFL history. And that has to drive Aaron Rodgers crazy. 
that they have not put the skill around him, that that the offense is so, and, and Chris Sims says this all the time, and I've heard other things that support this, how inflexible they are, how committed they are to scheme. It's scheme. It's no matter what the defense is doing, they're giving you other openings, other things you can do, things you can take advantage of. No, no, no. It's scheme, scheme, scheme. And, and that, look at why the Cowboys are struggling without Ezekiel Elliott. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's coaching scared, right? It's doing things a certain way and refusing to do it differently for fear that you're going to do it wrong. Remember what I say all the time when we talk about going for two? The coach will do the conventional thing and fail and not get criticized. You do the unconventional thing and fail and you do get criticized. And I think a lot of these coaches are scared to death about looking bad among their peers, among their friends, among their colleagues. So they have their scheme and they just keep pounding and pounding and pounding and they don't want to do anything outside of the the very tight boundaries they put themselves in, which may explain why Patrick Mahomes is not and may not be at any point this year the starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, that does it for today. Thanks for some of your time. PFT Live tomorrow. Chris Sims in studio. Full show, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Radio. Final two hours on NBCSN. Profootballtalk.com around the clock. I'm going to get back to work for a while now. I'm going to get a quick workout. going to go down to the barn and uh, eat a little pizza, drink a little whiskey, smoke a little cigar, and watch uh, some crappy football tonight. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's week 12. And it's just a matter of time before you, you get to a weekend in February and you turn on the TV and it's going to be professional bowling and uh, uh, archery and and badminton and all of these shit sports that you don't care about. And you're going to say, where's my football, right? So you'll wish in February that you could have watched the Ravens and the Texans then. So go ahead and, and watch them now. And uh, we'll, we'll have... I'm sure plenty to say about that game tomorrow. We'll do another PFT PM on Tuesday and check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. Before I go, the thing I always say, if you've made it this far, you either fell asleep in a puddle of your own drool or you like it. Not falling asleep in a puddle of your own drool. You like the podcast. So go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for some of your time. See you Tuesday. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince. Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.